Peace and light, y'all. You are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things regarding self-development and bettering your spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody who's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl podcast. Now, before I get started, I just want to send you all a note of gratitude as usual. Out of all the tens and thousands of podcasts in podcast land, you choose to listen to mine for about an hour or so, and I really appreciate that. This interview is a special feature, an elder, elder's wisdom episode with none other than my mom, Mama Homegirl. My mom's a very busy woman. She is always on the go. She's a full-time mom, full-time education specialist. She does a lot of extracurricular activities for my brother, so I had to track her down so we can go ahead and interview and just kind of uh, chop it up about just random things, actually, uh, family um, career, passion versus paycheck, things she's learned throughout the years, the difference between relationships um, in her generation and now. So um, I just wanted to give you guys her perspective. As I've said before, she is a big influence on spiritual homegirl, but respect to the power of choice and understanding that you have the power to control your destiny. So I wanted to touch with her, with her on that as well. So uh, yeah, with that being said, enjoy the interview. Peace, y'all. I'm speaking with my mama, mama homegirl. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am great. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. It's been about 50, 59 episodes since I started. So I'm really happy to be able to do an Elder's Wisdom episode with my own mom. So for those who, um, well, I don't think anybody knows exactly who you are, but like who is mama homegirl? I'm an educator. I have been a teacher for 27 years, and now I am working at the Board of Education for the past three years as a federal programs instructional specialist. I am also a mother, a wife, not a grandmother yet. I'm still waiting. But, uh, a child. Well, he's a fur child. Well, I have a fur baby, I guess you can say that. But that's me. So when did you decide that, like, educating was your mission in life? Because it seems like you've always been a nurturer, even to, like, our friends growing up and stuff like that. You've always been a mother figure to, you know, our, like, nephews, nieces, et cetera. You just always kind of been like that. So, like, how did you know that that was just something that's just in you naturally? Well, growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher, and my grandmother always wanted me to be a teacher. So my grandmother, Mary, who's my namesake, she always told me that I would be a teacher. So growing up, I played teacher a lot. I was always the teacher, and that is why I decided that I would be an educator. And being a cancer, I guess that's where I, why I'm such a nurturing, nurturing person and um, compassionate for others. Yes, you heard it. My mother's a cancer. It makes complete sense, actually. That's why when I always say, like, I couldn't have chose a better mother, I, I really couldn't have. You didn't choose me, I chose you. Oh, you chose me. Oh, excuse, excuse me, guys. She chose me. So, um, in terms of motherhood, what were some key things that you learned just in general about the, the whole journey of being a mom? First of all, I learned that mothering is not an easy job, and it's a 24-hour job. And I guess when you don't have um, your parents or you don't have that backbone um, that a lot of people have, you have to learn to stand on your own two feet. Uh, being an ex-military wife 
it was really hard because we always moved every three years. And so I had to be the mother, the father, and the grandmother and all because we were away from family members. And so having to stand on your own two feet, you just learn to do the things necessary to support your kids. Growing up or just, I mean, now in your in your season age, what would you say are some really important lessons that you learned about relationships and, and love? Well, first of all, it's a lot of give and take. You know, relationships are hard if you uh, allow them to be. But one thing I learned is communication is key. If you don't have communication, then the relationship is basically um, going to be rocky and rough. Uh, a lot of times you have to give and, like I said, it's, it's all about giving and take. A lot of times you have to just compromise. And sometimes if you want to make it work, you just have to go with the flow and don't worry about it. You mean like don't worry about the outcome? Not necessarily don't worry about the outcome. Just, you know, pray about things and don't worry about it. You know, just let go. Okay. And what about friendship? Is there anything that you learned that's really kind of been like a, a mantra or like a, a non-negotiable when it comes to your friendships? I have a lot of lasting friendship um, people that I've had friendships with for many, many years. And one thing is trust. If you can't trust that person, you really don't need to be, need to be around them. And I've always been the type of person that I treat people the way I want to be treated. And if you don't treat me nicely then you're let go. So, like I said, um, friendship is all about trust. If that person, if you can't trust that person, then you don't even need to be friends with them. And if you feel like they're taking advantage of you, then you need to let them go. I put in my caption that you were a big influence on what I do, period, just in life moving as a woman, as well as with spiritual homegirl. And it's because the power of choice has always been something that you put in our head growing up, even now. So, like, when did you realize that the power of choice was actually a thing? Because there's people that go through life and they still don't quite understand how powerful that is. So, like, when did you realize that that was so important? Well, I guess when I was growing up, my mother always said, you know, whenever we went out, she would say, well, you know right from wrong. And you have to make that decision, but you know right from wrong. She always told us that she never elaborated. She never really explained it, but she always told us, you know right from wrong. So I knew that um, life was all about choices, and I always instilled in my class, my students in my class, that life is about choices, and whatever choice you make, you're going to have to suffer the consequences, be it good or bad. So I just always felt like... um, in life, you have a choice. You can have a good life or you can have a bad life. But whatever direction you go, then that's on you. My mom has never been a person that really has been with the pity parties for too long. She's always kind of been like a, either you going to do something or you just going to continue to suffer. So I think that kind of just put that in perspective for me. As I didn't even know grandma told you that. I mean, I figured, you know, typical stuff like that. But I didn't know it was something that grandma actually instilled in you that you instilled in us. Okay, random question. Why didn't you let me wear makeup or weaves or acrylics while I was in your house? I know you're making that face. I, I just need to, no, I need to know. I need to know. Was there like was there like a mom thing? Was there like a particular reason why? Or you just like what was that about? 
Well, I think it was more of your dad. He didn't like all that. He liked the natural person. He didn't like all that fake hair, fake, fake all this and that. So I guess growing up, uh, I was more of a natural person and didn't really have the freedom to do those things. So I just felt like, you know, you're natural, natural, naturally beautiful. So you really don't need all that. But now it's a different story. Do what I want to do. I <laughs> wear the wear the hair if I want to. I love to get my nails done. And my, you know, that's just it. Okay, I was wondering what that was about because I know growing up, I used to try to stick your lip liner. I would always somehow get caught, and then I didn't hit. Huh? I figured as much, and then I didn't want to learn eyeliner because it seemed too complicated at the time. I didn't even wear eyeliner until I was nineteen years old. My very first time ever wearing eyeliner, so I was very very late to the party, but I know for me, it helped me out a great deal with my self-esteem because it forced me to accept who I was growing up. Like, I know sometimes we, um, and I'm not judging anybody that wears makeup or wore weave back in the day. Not at all. Not at all. But what I'm saying is it was more of a, I couldn't really cover up things that I wanted to cover up. Like, if I cut my hair, which I did during your high school, I couldn't throw a weave in there to get my lymph back if I wanted to. I never wore wigs, didn't even get braids. Uh, weave for braids um, also with acrylics I remember hearing one of my homegirls talk about getting cut at the, all the time at her nail salon and I was like well that doesn't sound right not to mention my mama used to um every Saturday when I was younger the whole house would smell like acetone my mom used to do her own nails I'm talking like long nails she used to have a little drilled hole in one of them she used to wear this elephant pendant um this gold elephant pendant in one of her nails so I don't know if it was the smell too but either way I'm saying all to say that it really helped me in terms of accepting natural beauty and I think that's why I, I be on social media and I be at events very very toned down and um I've been told by people I should probably polish up which I kind of sort of can agree but I can definitely say that you know the weave and the makeup don't in the in the net well I've never worn acrylics even now but it don't make me so I actually can thank y'all for that thank y'all very much tell us how you grew up as a country girl, I guess you can say, we, when I was five years old, well, we used to live um, in what we call the country now, across the street. My aunt lived and my cousin, so we all grew up as um, sisters and brothers. And then my grandmother lived out down the, the road, as we call it. So we were all um, raised by extended family, which is something that you don't see a whole lot of now. Our cousins and brothers, our cousins were our brothers and sisters, and we all used to stay at one another's house. And then my cousins from Brunswick, every summer they would come and stay with me. We were like sisters and brothers. And then I would go and spend my summers in Brunswick with my grandmother and my cousins. And we grew up um, very close-knit cousins and um my siblings, three brothers, and I have two sisters. So what's the difference between, I mean, seeing how you've been an educator for so long and being around so many different family dynamics throughout the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and then you growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, what change do you see that's like the biggest thing to you in terms of the family dynamic? Because like you said, you're saying the, the close-knit thing wasn't as, it's not as, it's not as much as a thing now as it was then. So what are some other things that stand out to you about the change of the family dynamic? 
The main thing is the family structure. Nowadays, uh, when we grew up, everybody had a mom and dad, and there was grandmother, auntie and uncles. Every Sunday, the family got together to eat dinner, and we were just all so close. Now, you, you hardly ever see... You don't see that family structure as far as the mom and dad anymore. So many divorces. Uh, back in the day, you grew up in a household where the mom stayed home while the father went out to work. But now today, because of society and because of the economy, Everybody has to go to work. So mom has left the nest, and the little birdies are still there trying to take care of themselves. And that's the main thing that uh, one of the biggest differences that I've noticed is the family structure of the mom staying home and um, taking care of the kids is not there anymore because everybody has to go to work just to make ends meet. Okay, so if you had the chance to do it all over again, would you have become a teacher or would you just been a stay-at-home mom? Actually, I would have been a pediatrician because that's what I wanted to be when I was growing up. I wanted to be a teacher, but then I wanted to be a pediatrician because I love kids and I wanted to help kids. But once I learned that um, to become a pediatrician, you had to go to med school and all that. After college, I decided teaching was it for me. But if I had to do it all again, I probably would be a teacher because... I love the outcome, you know, the end of the year, all the knowledge that the students have learned is very rewarding to me. Okay, okay. I've also noticed, too, um, that a lot of people kind of take you on as a maternal figure. Like, I remember, like, all the kids that you used to teach, they still show love and they would still come visit and their families and their, and their parents would still um, always think of you in high regard and send good wishes or gifts and things like that, so... Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure the impact of affecting someone's child and someone sees like that does something for you as well. Yes. Uh, one thing I learned as a teacher is you have to give respect in order to earn it. So I always respected my students. Instead of trying to fuss at them and make them do things, I would talk to them and be a, and show, um, try to use positive reinforcement to get them to act the way I wanted them to act or to do the things I wanted them to do. This worked for me, and most of the students that I dealt with that were behavior problems in other classrooms were not behavior, cl behavior problems in my classroom because basically... I treated them like a person. I treated them like they were just as important as any other student in the class. And if they had a problem, we talked about it, and we got to down to the root of it, what's going on, what's really going on. And I talked to them like I talked to my own kids, you know, um, and I just treated them like they were my own. Yeah, you answered it. So what advice would you give? Because at one point you were a single mother, and then at one point you were married. So, And you've also managed to work. And you've also managed to raise three children. And you've also managed to obtain, what, three degrees? Got your Ph.D. coming up in the next year or so? Oh, what's it called? Aiden Doctorate? Oh, that's, a, that's still a Ph.D., right? No, Ph.D. is different. Oh, she schooled me. Well, you're going to get your doctorate in education in the next year or so. So now that's, what, four degrees when you break it all down? So what advice would you give to people with respect to perseverance, whether they're mothers or fathers, or what have you, when it comes to multitasking and, and not letting, you know, being a parent or being, you know, a single parent or just having obstacles, period, get in the way of their goals? 
You have to have balance. You have to be able to multitask and you have to have time management. Time management is the number one thing that you have to put in perspective because if you can't manage all these things that you're trying to do, you're going to definitely fail. So in order to be successful, you have to prioritize, manage your time, and keep your eye on the prize. Stay focused. Okay, and what advice would you give our generation about dating? Because we clearly sometimes see things similarly. We sometimes see things differently. You can be, you know, you can say what you need to say. It's not a filter here. But what <laughs> what advice would you give our generation about dating? Well, that's a real touchy subject right now because I feel like when you're dating, you should be dating someone that's, I won't say on your level, but someone with potential. You should not just waste your time with a guy and you're 32 or 33 years old unless that is a potential husband or baby father or something. You know, you don't date just to be dating. You date for a purpose. And now I, I see a lot of casual dating, and I guess that's the thing now. Nobody wants to get married anymore. Everybody's just dating. So um, back in the day, we dated so that we could eventually get married and eventually have a start a family and have kids. But now this generation is like, okay, we just have uh, we just have sex, and we just go on with the next one, and we just have sex, and nobody, everybody's living together, and nobody wants to get married. So um, my advice to this generation now is to slow down and uh, get your life together. <laughs> Because uh, you should date with pur- with a purpose and not just uh, date just to be dating. I mean, I, I totally get the the casual dating. I think at my stage in life, I would rather put a hold on dating right now until I am at a certain point in life. Not saying I'm going to hold off forever, Mom. Mommy, stop pressuring me for grandkids. You pressuring me. Y'all, y'all don't know this, but my dad sent me a Happy Mother's Day text talking about Happy Mother's Day, question mark, hopefully, question mark. But um, I totally get the whole casual thing. I think in our generation, it is becoming a less less um, taboo with the whole casual dating thing. But I can also see how that can turn into people that are serial monogamists that will boo up with somebody for six months and then drop them and then do another six month stretch and then, you know, drop them. Four months, you know, you know how that go. You're exclusive for those little, you know, for that season. You know, I mean, we had, our generation has cuffing season, Mama. You know what that is? What is it? Cuffing season is basically where short the short version is. You lock a, a person down during the cold months, and then you're back single during the warm months. Oh. Yes. How important is tradition for you? I mean, we're in an age where the traditions are fading away to pave way for new ones. Some people are kind of picking and choosing certain traditions to roll with. And then some are just saying, forget it. I want my own. Uh, I want to do my own thing. And if my own traditions come from that, then fine. What is your take on on that? Traditions are good. There are some good traditions that you want to carry on uh, generation after generation but like you said 
It's also good to make your own traditions. So, you know, it can go either way. One thing I can say about you is that I'm glad that I do not have parents that try to manipulate me or try to control me as a grown woman. I do know people who um, have parents that try to manipulate them or try to force the will of what they want their children to do, even as grown adults. We're talking like 25, 30, 35, 40. So what advice would you give people that have manipulative parents or they can't seem to break out of the, the fear of disappointing their parents to the point where they can't even make their own choices? Well, I feel like this is your life and... You're the one that has to live it, not your parents. So you need to do what you feel is going to make you happy. And I understand you're not trying to disappoint your parents, but may you gotta you gotta be the one to live with those, like I said, choices. Is there any other piece of advice or wisdom that you want to give to the listeners of the Spiritual Homegirl podcast? Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Always treat people the way that you want to be treat, treated because you reap what you sow. And always remember this, what you do in the dark will come to light. So be honest, be fair, be consistent. And I would just say to always be nice. Treat people um nicely and in the end you would be rewarded being kind is always something you taught us oh one thing i did want to touch on community service ma when did you realize that was something that you wanted to do before i mean being a service you took us to like service events as like little kids so i'm just like i'm just trying to figure out it was instilled in us as you know obviously y'all were in sororities and fraternities but like for you i'm sure it started before you joined right like where did that come from my mother she always helped people, and she always taught us that we should help others. And when I went to college, I decided to join a sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and we always did community service, and that is why growing up, when you were little, you always attended community service projects because I wanted you to see that helping others was the right thing to do and that has definitely manifested into a love for service as well for me and I'm sure my sister and I'm sure even um aunt can appreciate that as well so thank you and is there anything else that you want to let my listeners know about before I get you out of here <laughs> just to like I said um set goals and Follow your dreams. Is life truly too short, Ma? Is life truly too short or is it not? Is it just about what you do with your time that makes a difference? Life is as short as you make it. And that's why I say live life to the fullest. Live today as if it is your last day. Because here today, they used to say here today, gone tomorrow. Is here today, gone today. Because so many people, young and old, are leaving this world so you don't want to leave this world and say, oh, wow, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. You need to live life to the fullest and do what makes you happy. What are some secrets to age gracefully? Because you look good, Ma. I got to give you your props. You know, some of my little friends still have crushes and whatnot. They do. But what are some secrets that you can give us about aging gracefully? Take care of yourself and 
be careful with what you put in your body because your body is a temple and you have to be mindful of what you put in it to make sure that you your body is um uh, taken care of. Would that go for sexual partners as well? Oh, definitely. I'll say it again. Definitely. <laughs> okay. I say that because like our our uh I ain't gonna say our generation. I'm not trying to make it a generation versus generation thing, but there are some women who are in their early twenties and some men that are in their early twenties that look a lot older and and even twenty five, thirty, whatever. So I just kinda wanted to get someone's um opinion from someone who looks good, you know. So I was just kinda curious to know that were y'all partying hard like like we do now? I mean, you know, the the thing in our generation is it's it's a lot of excess. So like, was it like that growing up for you, too, in terms of, like, all the stuff that was around or, or no? Well, in college, I used to party Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes Monday, all depends. Yes, we partied, but my friends and I, we didn't indulge in a whole, we didn't indulge in drugs at all. We didn't indulge in a whole lot of alcohol, just occasional, you know, wine and that kind of stuff. And we didn't, we just didn't do all those harsh Things, drugs, and all. Like crack and all that other stuff. Oh, we didn't have crack back in the day. You know, about the most that we had was weed back in the day, and there was heroin. Heroin, but uh, you know, really? yeah, back in the day. That was the thing. Weed was the thing. I'm back. surprised heroin was a thing and not crack. Goodness gracious. Yeah, we didn't have crack. If I don't even know anybody that did cocaine until I got grown, I. Saw one person, but you know, wasn't exposed to a whole lot of that stuff. I stayed away from it. I saw how people got addicted to drugs. You know, you would see the movies and stuff like that. And I just, it was just something I never tried, never wanted to do because I saw the effects it had on people. And I didn't want to try it because I, I, you know, cocaine was very addictive and very expensive. So, I love my money, so I didn't want to have to spend it on that. <laughs> okay. What are some um, some tips on proper co-parenting or effective co-parenting? Uh, that's a tough one. One main thing is make sure if you're co-parenting that the other person um, take on their share of the responsibility because you if you're a single parent, you need a break. So I know a lot of women, I'm not going to let him, let the dad see his child because he does this or he didn't do this and that. You need to let that child go and so you can get a break and you can get some rest and you can have time for yourself. So the main thing I would say about co-parenting is make sure it is a shared responsibility equally. Because you didn't make that child by yourself, and you shouldn't have to take care of that child by yourself. Okay. And one last question, because I know it is a little late here. But when it comes to relationships, I know you're saying date with purpose, date with a a clear intention. But sometimes that dating intention um, can lead to putting up with certain things that you shouldn't have to. Now, you know you've seen it firsthand with me. So... At what what are some tips where women are just like, okay, I'm supposed to be ride or die, but I'm being cheated on all the time, or this person is verbally abusing me, or this person is not respecting me or not addressing me correctly? Like, what advice do you give people when it comes to setting a limit with 
respecting themselves, but also wanting to be a committed partner. Like I said before, if you don't have trust in a relationship, then you don't need to be with that person. You always uh, respect yourself and make sure that the person you're with respects you as well. If it gets to a point where he has to cheat on you, then you don't need them. You need to make sure you're taking care of yourself, you are respecting yourself, and you are being the person you're with or respecting you as well. Okay, so what about... What what about arguments and, and verbal, I mean, sometimes it can go to verbal abuse at some point. Like, what tips do you have to share with people about maintaining some kind of composure in the midst of something that might end up becoming an argument or a conflict? You need to know when enough is enough. Sometimes it's better to fall back than to um, just stay there and take it. If you feel like you've been verbally abused, it's okay to leave. You don't have to stay there and put up with um, stuff that you know is not right. It's okay to leave. A lot of people don't want to get divorced. They stay there. They take it. But, hey, if you're not being treated right, then it's okay to leave. Okay. And when it comes to a career, because I know cancers love stability, and they like secure home lives, and I know for a fact, which you be my mama, I know that to be true about you. So when it comes to passion versus paycheck, which one are you going for and why? I've always been the type that wanted a bigger paycheck. So any opportunity I saw to get a bigger paycheck, that was my passion. Because, you know, you want to be able to live and enjoy life. And I don't care what nobody say, if you don't have money, you are not going to enjoy it as much as if you do have money. Okay, so at one point, do you say enough is enough with a toxic job, though? Because, I mean, I've been in gigs where they paid a lot of money, and my mental health suffered because of that. You know what I mean? Or my physical health may have, you know, some things may have manifested because of the stress or the toxicity of the work environment. So at one point, do you say forget the paycheck, it's time to bounce? I don't know if I'm the right one to speak on that because <laughs> you should never bounce if you don't have a plan. I mean, if the job is toxic, and I'm one that always say, if you don't like the captain of the ship, get off the ship. But you're not going to just jump off the ship into the water if you don't have a lifeboat. So if the job is toxic, then you strategize, you make plans, and you don't just leave a job just because you don't like the job or because the job is stressful because you still got to eat. So you make a plan. You make a plan, and you exit, but you exit the right way. I don't know if I want to touch this because it, it is a touchy subject, but it is. What advice would you give to someone dealing with the loss of a parent? Well, being that I just lost my dad, and, you know, I never thought they would live forever. So that's why when you talk about elders, I always try to stress to you all, to go visit your grandparents because they're not going to be here forever. So as a daughter, I did all that I could to make their life happy. I took my dad fishing or every every holiday almost it was his holiday because um, he loved to fish and that was I couldn't make any other plans because I had to take him fishing. And my mom would go visit her siblings. So I just feel like when your parents, especially your parents, get 
um, up in age, you need to spend as much time with them as you can and try to make their life as comfortable as possible because you never know when that day will be their last day. And nowadays, a lot of people are not living to get old. They're um, they're passing away at, at very um, young ages. And my dad was 84, almost 84 years old, and he lived a good life. So that's why I'm not one to really, um, I'm, I grieve quietly. I miss him, but he's in a much better place, and he's not suffering anymore. Anymore, So I just feel like you just got to spend as much time as you can with them while they're here on earth. And then when they pass away, you'll feel good about it. Yeah, I can agree with you on that, Ma. I mean, our granddad, granddaddy was not my father, so to speak, but he was definitely a major father figure in my life. And even though he's gone and it hurts that he's gone, it does make me feel good knowing that when he passed, I was satisfied with the level of interaction that I had with him and with our relationship. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think if it had went any differently, I would be really hurt right now. I probably would be upset from guilt or shame or what have you um, that I've had in other situations. So last, last one, I promise, Ma, I promise. For those who are going through family disputes, what advice would you give to those that are not necessarily – because this is what happened, right? When I was in St. Thomas, I did a poll – and I said, do you think there's a, re- a difference between being related and being family? And a lot of people answered the majority, except for maybe two people, said there is a difference. I also agree that there's a difference because I feel like sometimes you can have family that you're closer to, that you get along with better energetically than people that are you're related to. But I know for you, that's not your style at all. You're more like, yo, we're family and we are going to work through this period. So what advice do you have for people who um, may not see eye to eye with their family member for whatever reason. My mom has always taught us that blood is thicker than water and you stick with your family regardless. And I know that's hard for people to do. Sometimes you have some shady family members, but they're still your family. You can't choose choose your family, you know, but you can choose your friends. And nine times out of 10, those family members are the ones that's going to pick you up when you fall. So you need to not um burn those bridges with that with those family members because in the end blood is thicker than water and that family member is the one that's going to be there for you versus that friend so um my parents have always well my mom has always taught us and and led by example because her siblings they all get along they they've never fallen out and they don't argue and all that stuff you know sometimes it's okay to disagree but you still you you forgive and you move on you know sometimes you might not like that person or you might not like what they say or do but you still have to forgive and move on you can't change people and you can't make them into the person that you want them to be so you just have to learn that everybody is different and everybody is not going to be the way you want them to be. And you have to learn to just allow people to be themselves and continue to treat them nicely. And in, in, in the end, you'll be rewarded. You have to be the bigger person sometimes because some people, they, don't, they just don't know any better. 
you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say they're ignorant, but some people just don't know any better and they don't realize their faults. So you have to sometimes just find the good in a person and move on. So even with that being said, let's say if you're, if there's a situation where these people just don't get along or, you know, you can forgive, move on. I mean, what's your take on love and family from a distance? Is that something that kind of goes against what you believe in, in terms of being close knit? Or is that something that kind of fits in line with the whole, we're just different and let's just forgive and move on, just not burn the bridge. I can just love you from a distance. Uh, if your family, you shouldn't love your family from a distance. You, you should agree to disagree. That's more like it. Okay. Now, are we talking just regular? Are we talking like toxic family members too? Because you know there's some, our family didn't really have any of this. Like our family doesn't have it. But there's some people whose family members are like off the deep end. Like really toxic. Stealing and scamming and, you know, sleeping people, man. Like there's some family dynamics that have that. Like soul food. That's a thing. That's real. There's some cousin face out there. Yeah, I guess there is. So I guess you have to feed them with a long handle spoon, I guess. Okay, so they ain't scamming or sleeping with your man or being crazy, then you can agree to your differences. Yeah. And, if not, <laughs> yeah. and if not, you can love from a distance. Feed them with a long handle spoon. Mama, that's so old school. Feed them with a long handle spoon. That's almost as old school as thick as thieves. I don't know if y'all remember that one, too. It's like love from a distance. Yeah, exactly what it is. Okay, cool. So if you got scammers in your family, my mama says to, you know, go ahead and forgive them, but feed them from a long handle spoon. But we don't know about that. We don't have that in our, in our dynamic. Thank God. That's true. Um, but for those that do, that's just something to consider, courtesy of my mama. And to end this interview on a positive note, is there any uplifting words that you would like to tell? I don't feel like I've ended this interview four times. Oh, my gosh. Mommy! Okay. Any other positive words of encouragement? Any advice? Stay positive. I am somebody. Trust the Lord and your steps should follow and all that good stuff. You don't have none. My favorite, when life throws you lemons, make lemonade. And when it rains, learn how to dance in the rain. Because they say when it rains, it pours. So for those who are in my age range, do it for a little saint. Like when you got served. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember that, mommy? When he was dancing in the rain? Oh, that was hilarious. All right, y'all. So you heard it, an interview with Mama Homegirl. And that was this week's interview with my mama, Mama Homegirl. If y'all want to reach me, you can do so at spiritualhomegirl.com, Instagram, and YouTube, and Facebook, Spiritual Homegirl, and also Spirit Homegirl on Twitter. I'm really excited about what's going on. I know you guys hear me say that every episode because I genuinely am. There is an upcoming feature that I'm really excited about coming up in the next month. I finally got confirmation on that. You guys will know about it sooner than later. Thank y'all for those who came out to Yoga 101. I'm really excited to also do other events such as the Homegirl Supper Club. I'm working on finalizing that now. I know I'm moving in September, like I said, on Yoga 101 with Trey. And um, I want to do some other events here in Atlanta before I take off to Los Angeles. So um, be, with, be patient with me as I get that figured out. I'm also going to do a meetup soon, too. So um, if you haven't signed up for the email newsletter, please do so at spiritualhomegirl.com. Sign up so you can stay in touch with whatever I have going on so we can link up, chop up, um, and, you know, have a good time. 
we're so hell-bent on being adults and being independent that we kind of stay away from our family a lot longer than we should take um a lot of unnecessary distance for no reason i can see if it's provoked um but sometimes we just kind of just don't come around so when you do come around you kind of get that feeling that that familiarity and that safeness and that security of what it's like to actually be around people that genuinely love and care about you so um i actually got that feeling myself I kind of stayed a long distance from my mom and my dad. And then my biological father, he's, you know, an ocean away. So um, even though I definitely appreciated my alone time as I lived by myself, I appreciate being, you know, able to kind of get my introverted moments in. But sometimes it's just good to kind of be around a house full of people that you care about. Like whether it's, you know, like Mother's Day, it was a house of what, 20 people? Crowded house. In my grandma's little house, but it just felt good to have that comforting feeling of family, people that you've known since, you know, you were younger and, you know, that you have good bonds with and good relationships with. It's just always good vibes. So for those who are kind of feeling like I did, which just kind of being off to yourself and you might be productive by yourself and you might be cool by yourself, but still kind of want that family recharge or just kind of want that love or that energy, go kick it with your family, whether it's, you know, family by blood or family by love. Go ahead and, and check on your folks and see how they're doing and actually go kick it with them. Talking to somebody in person and talking to them on social media and on the phone through text, they're two totally different things. Well, that wait, social media. Well, four different things. <laughs> so it's just something cool about being able to energetically just be in that same love energy that you've always known. You know what I mean? Like my grandma. Every time I see my grandma, my grandma walk in the room and it's just a walking ball of love. My mom's the same way too. And it just feels good. I know that I could probably get something similar to that in a in a um a phone message or uh, like a a video message or something like that but it's a whole different story when you actually get to just be there and just take it all in and be able to physically touch them and hug them and kiss them on the cheek and you know just hold their hand like my grandma's hands like I held my grandma's hands I'm like wow my grandma's hands are really important not like the Bill Withers song grandma's hands but well, well kind of sort of but like my grandma's hands like she's picked cotton she's had five babies you know she's been able to like you know guide other people's kids in the neighborhood she's you know cooked lots of food and fed generations with those hands like it's a really big deal for me some people might say oh you're over intellectualizing your grandmother's hands but it, I mean I know my elders you know what I'm saying like I know what they've gone through so being able to be around them and know that it makes me feel good it's like wow well, I really appreciate you like thank you for for paving the way for me for my mom for her generation for our generation for our future generations so just being around that and just having that love and admiration and, and just respect of just being around somebody that genuinely loves you, like unconditionally, is a beautiful thing. So tap in with your family. That's all I got to say. With that being said, this is another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. My name is Maria. And remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. And tap in with your family. Peace. <laughs>